Octa Non Verba is a show that's raw and real, featuring hard-hitting interviews with people that live by the ethos of actions, not words. Marcus Aurelius Anderson is a TEDx speaker, best-selling author, veteran, and leadership and mindset coach. With this show, you get to join Marcus as he goes inside the minds and experiences of the world's most successful warriors, leaders, entrepreneurs, and experts. With each episode, you're going to get the philosophies, concepts, tactics, and strategies these leaders use to turn adversity into victory. Live an extraordinary life based on actions, not words. Now, here's your host, Marcus Aurelius Anderson. Octa non verba is a Latin phrase that means actions, not words. If you want to know what somebody truly believes, don't listen to their words. Instead, observe their actions. I'm Marcus Aurelius Anderson, and my guest today truly embodies that phrase. Crystal Sykes is a woman that wears many hats. She's a wife, mom, business owner, coach, homemaker, and more. She and her husband, Robert Sykes, my good friend, a.k.a. the Keto Savage, own Keto Brick. They also own Live Savage Apparel, Deeper State Keto. Robert, in addition to that, in his free time, runs Keto Savage, and Crystal, in her free time, runs her own business as well, Lady Savage. Crystal has enjoyed her ketogenic lifestyle for the past seven years through bodybuilding competitions, pregnancy, breastfeeding, and all other things that life throws at her. Weight training and the ketogenic diet truly changed her life and helped her turn her health around. She is passionate about helping others create a lifestyle that is sustainable and gives them excitement, adds more life to their years and years to their life. Crystal, thank you so much for being here. It's been a, a long time coming. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to do this. I'm excited too. We were just talking about all the things. For those of you that don't know, Robert Sykes, Keto Savage, has a book out. It's called Ketogenic Bodybuilding. And by the time that this airs, we will probably, I don't know, maybe we'll have some of the footage of his potential photo shoots and things like that. But at this moment, there's a lot going on. So I've known Crystal since 2018. Um, She came to my live event with Robert. We had an incredible do the work event there great person. And when you came down, I had, you know, food for everybody and I had ketogenic food ish for the most part, but you brought your own food. You brought plain ground beef. And a lot of people don't understand why is that? What's going on? Is this the lion diet? Is this Atkins? Is this keto? Why would somebody do something like that? So could you explain to us what you were doing and and the the healing capacity of of meat on the human body? Yeah. Um, was I in my prep during that time? You might have been. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm trying to remember because, and, and we'll get into your prep and we'll get into what happened on stage after that too. Yeah. 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 Well, okay. So I actually started keto for health reasons and uh, really had a lot of stuff going on with my gut, my gastrointestinal issues, all that kind of stuff. Um, So although there may have been food available that I could have eaten, I wasn't actually sure if there would be food that would be, (laughs) I would be able to eat. Um, So it's always a safe bet for me to bring my own food. Meat does really do well with my stomach. And yeah, it's just, it's more of a, it's like a, a safe option for me to just bring whatever it is that I'm going to need. And if I don't use it and I want to indulge with everyone else and, you know, there's things that I can eat, then I will. But other than that, it's just, it makes it easier for me to 
just get along. That when I'm eating with people, it's about the conversations, not about the food that I'm eating. So I'd rather just eat what makes me feel good rather than eat what other people are eating, feel terrible, but still be able to have conversation if that makes sense. It absolutely does. And it, like you said, it's the nice thing about keto is, is it's very simple. If, if you're not sure what to do, if you're in a restaurant and there's a bunch of options, just say whatever steak you have or whatever burger you have and I'll get it without all this stuff mm-hmm. or whatever you know chicken you have, whatever it is, like try to get something that's very simplistic. If you want to do veggies, you can. If you want to add you know a little touch of something here and there, you can. But to say that you don't have options is is really, in my opinion, not very true. And and again, mm-hmm. it's just it's just fuel. It's just something that we're putting in our body. Robert and I have talked about this, and and I believe you do this as well. When you're on a ketogenic diet, when you're fat adapted, so to speak, you can go longer without eating in between feedings. You can just do the OMAD one meal a day, or that's what you want. You can fast for two or three days if you want. I, as you know, during the first four by four by forty eight that I did by myself, I I fasted the whole time, and I just had water and breath. Mm-hmm. And people were like, and that's what was so weird. They were like, that's impossible. I'm like. It's not impossible. And and here's the thing, like I was smart if if I started bonking or if I like had like went like cramped up or whatever, I would have done something. I would have had a, a bite of keto brick or something that's like easily digestible, which if you guys have not had a keto brick yet, you're missing out. These things taste amazing uh, for travel. I, they're my go-to. I put one in my carry-on. I put one in my suitcase. I put one wherever I need it. And instead of spending... $30 on garbage at a airport that's even if it is keto, it's like at best you're getting glorified beef jerky and it's gonna have a bunch of other stuff in there that I don't want. But with this, I know that there's like all the best fats, great protein, very little carbs. And this entire thing is a thousand calories. Yeah. Yep. So I'll calories. cut that thing in half or even cut it in quarters. And then that way, if you're worried about caloric intake, you can say, okay, I've had. 250 calories a day, or I've had this much fat today. So for those of you that are wanting to do something that is, and, and they taste amazing. It's not as if they're um, chalky or anything like that. And they've, they continue to get better. They can, this is my favorite. I think that um, peanut butter cup is my favorite of the ones that you have. You guys have had a bunch of different flavors that are incredible, but um, every time you guys do it, it's like you make it a little bit better and it tastes better and the stability and everything. And it's incredible. So I know I went up on a team. I think Robert had that, he got, Robert got that dialed in. Like he's so good at creating each new flavor that they really do get better. Like the consistency is better. The flavor is better. It's like, oh, just keeps getting better and better. (laughs) And so you, when you were down here, like you said, you were preparing for your contest. So you did that contest. So tell us what the professional results were for the contest and what you're actually competing with. And then tell us, what happened after that? Yeah, so in 2018, I did a uh, competition prep for figure. Uh, it's a bodybuilding competition, but uh, my category was figure. It was the very first time I have ever competed. Robert is a competitive bodybuilder. Um, so he's done it for years. I watched him. I've gone to several shows and I was like, I'm never doing that. And then one night I just had like this I'm going to do a show. And I didn't tell anyone for a little while and I kind of sat on it. And then all of a sudden I was like, yeah, this is happening. So 
I went ahead and did a competition prep, all ketogenic. Robert was actually my coach during that whole process, uh, which is kind of crazy. You know, you think about... Because at that point, he was my boyfriend. So it was like your boyfriend coaching you. That can be a little tough, but it wasn't. It was great. (laughs) I got first place, which was amazing. I didn't think my day could get better. And then Robert steps on the stage, got down on one knee and proposed. So obviously we're married now. So (laughs) it all worked out there. Yeah, that was incredible. And like you say, it's for those of you that don't understand the dynamics of a coach and a client, like that coach has to have a certain amount of authority, the ability to push, hold their feet to the fire, call them on their bullshit. And then when you add the dynamics of, oh, by the way, this is my boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Oh, by the way, you know, competition stress for a lot of people is brutal because you're, you're calorically deficient. You're doing cardio, you know, you're manipulating water, sodium. And even though we're ketogenic, there's still a lot of uh, emotions that can go from that. Mm-hmm. And then again, like you said, the roller coaster of, I trust what he's saying, but my body's not responding or it is responding, but now it stopped or it didn't. And then is it going to matter in time? But then again, like the the package that you present on stage was incredible. And then even more importantly, you got that uh, that additional trophy, that wedding ring <laughs> at, the, uh, at the end. Yeah, so awesome. It was a truly an amazing day. Like we went to a Brazilian steakhouse afterwards and it was just like, ah, this couldn't get good and get any better. And like Robert's parents were able to come, which I had no idea that they were going to be able to come. No one knew Robert was proposing. So it was just like by chance that they were able to make it. And it was wow. just... It was amazing. It was such a cool experience. Yeah, it's incredible. And we've mentioned Robert's book, but if you look like he's a natural bodybuilder. So, and this is not where he does keto to get it dialed in. This is where off season he's keto. Yep. Off season he's taken in, you know, 4,000 calories. He's taken in lots of protein, lots of fat, less than 20 carbs in a day. Yep. And those are just carbs that are just sort of like ancillary that happen to be in the food naturally. So for those of you, and he, Robert's put it up on some of his stuff where he's like, you know, you got to earn your haters because people will be like, it's impossible to get in that condition as ketogenic or he must be doing like stacks of tests. And it's like, he's yep. he's not. I mean, all these competitions are, you're going to get tested. They're going to be, you know, checking to make sure there's nothing, you know, out of the ordinary there. And if that's the case, they're going to kick you out. So you could win the contest and then they get back and they go, hey, you won the contest, but uh Test positive, so yeah. The yep. There's a polygraph and- before the te- before the competition, and then afterwards they'll do a urine test. And like they, as soon as you get off the stage, they march you to the bathroom. You go right then, and then that's it. Like <laughs> you don't get another option. So, but yeah, that's that's one of the biggest things for us is being a natural athlete because there's just a lot of people who feel like they can't obtain their goals naturally or get there fast enough or whatever. And we just want to show people that you can, you can do it. And there's, there's healthy alternatives and things like that, that I mean, choose what you will, but you know, there's, there's options that don't cost you. Yeah. Like you said, long-term, right? Not, yeah. not just short-term. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, if you're knocking years off your life and the quality of life in your years, that's not what you want to do for a $30 trophy that you had when you were in your late 20s, early 30s. It's like you're you're really short-sighted in that capacity. And I'm 51, but meeting you and Robert was the thing that actually, because I trusted him enough to where 
because at that point, you know, I had, I had recovered from my injury to an extent, but I was still getting back into the martial arts. But if I trained, you know, for five, you know, two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon, by that mm-hmm. evening, my entire body was so inflamed. And then what am I doing? The typical martial art diet, which is, okay, lots of rice, you know, get some sugar right afterwards to replenish your glycogen levels. And it was just like, I was getting headaches and I mean, and even my injuries, even ones that weren't as serious as my neck, like shoulders, you know, your, your knees, your, your, even my Achilles hint teal. It was like, why is this inflaming so much? I must be just getting old. And then listening to Robert, when we, we met, we met, we were connected with somebody else. We had a phone call and we just connected this like recovery from the same cloth. He said, man, just, just do a fat fast. Just have a lot of fat for two days and see what you do. I saw his results. I mean, they spoke for him themselves. And I was like, this guy knows what he's doing. Walk me through the process so I wouldn't go through the keto flu. And before you know it, I was like, wow, you know, I wish I had known about this, you know, in my 20s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this allows That's me cool. to have the capacity to be physical now. Um, for those of you that don't know, I did the 4 by 4 by 48 with Robert last year. And of course, Robert didn't pick easy routes. So he made sure that they were all, I was like, you know, we're going to be doing this for two days. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, all right, man. So, and I was training for that seal fit event. So I was just like, yeah. and I'm not trying to be a hero here. Like I, I want to get this done. I want to raise money, but I'm not trying to, you know, break myself off before I go out to get broken off in California, yeah. but it was amazing. And, uh, you know, Robert in, embodied that mentality and you were pregnant. How far along were you with Rigel at that point? Do what month was that? March. March. Okay, so I had him on um, May eighteenth, and yeah, I you were... was two weeks late when I had him. But so I was, I was probably in, or I had to have been in my third trimester. Yeah. So. And, and so, for those of you listening, no, she wasn't running with us, but yeah. she was literally. She would, when it was daytime, she would come out there and she would just walk. Mm. And we're out there getting our four miles in and she's just kind of walking the whole time and very healthy, getting sun exposure, doing cardio, you know, being a healthy mama for, for Rigel. And that was fantastic. And then she supported both Robert and I, because you only get about, so it's four hours between runs. And then by the time you get there, by the time you transit, by the time you're doing different things, it's like, You've got maybe two and a half hours in between. Mm-hmm. And so she had prepped all kinds of food for us. And she, you know, made sure that we had water, that we had electrolytes, that we were hydrated. You know, she gave me uh, in the room that they put me up in, gave me my own bathroom. So it's like, you can take a shower in between runs. You can go do this. And if you're just too tired, then that's fine. We're going to wash your sheets anyway, whatever you need to do. And so we were, Robert and I were actually able to go pretty quickly into polyphasic sleeping. Mm-hmm. because of that support. But if we hadn't, it would have been different. I feel so, like you guys um, did so well. I Like that was a really cool experience for me to just be able to watch and just see you guys because there was a point where it was like, woof, they're hitting the rough patch, you know? But you yeah. know, it just like kept going, you know? It was just, it was really, really neat. It was really cool to watch you guys. What was, I can't remember. It was sometime in the second day when I kind of stumbled out of the room. <laughs> <laughs> and I just sit down to put on my shoes. I'm just kind of staring. You're like, hey. I'm like, hey. You're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm getting ready for the run. Isn't Robert up? You're like, 
you guys still have like an hour and a half. I was like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> and I just kind of stumble back in there and try to lay down some more. So yeah, that's funny. Just, yeah. And it's, um, and that entire time we, we did that. And then we had a, that keto nacho victory. You made me one of your famous keto pizzas. Oh my God. That thing. Oh yeah. That was a lifesaver. Oh my gosh. Cause I've seen those online forever. And I was like, uh-huh. I don't know if I had the patience or the skill set to make one of those. And then you're like, pizza night, here we go. So uh, good. Robert room. uses yeah. that as his refeed. Like he's at the end yeah. of his prep or, you know, he's competing now. So we have like pizza night every Friday night. That's his refeed yeah. night. So it's yeah. that's something that we really enjoy. Yeah, it's fantastic. And then when you were pregnant, still, we went down and we did those. Um, so my wife's a photographer and uh, we had the honor of being able to do your maternity photos down there mm-hmm. in Arkansas. And that was in- incredible too, because we... Um, Rachel and I rented that uh that TP. Yeah. And uh we were yeah. we were out there and we had steaks on the fire. And of course Robert, well, not Robert and I, but I made the fire way too big. So we had to uh, wait for it to push down before we could throw the the mushrooms and the steaks on there. But again, just those experiences being out there out in nature, it's you know, it's it's cool, it's quiet, and we're discussing life, we're discussing business, we're discussing the adventure. Mm-hmm. The the entrepreneurial journey is very much a hero's journey, in my opinion, because there's ups and downs and there's mm-hmm. wins and losses. And then when you have somebody on your side that's walking the path with you, that you know has your back, that you know is always going to do the best thing for you, that you know that if you're not, because relationships are 100%, but sometimes if somebody's in a contest prep, that means that we have to step in a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. For my wife now, this is literally the busiest time of year for her as a photographer between fall color, the sport, Tulsa sports photographer is like exploding now, which is great. But now it's like she's having to run to catch up. So I'm literally having to cover down and do other things too, which is what we do because I want her to win. Yeah. But how many entrepreneurs do we hear about that are single or they're dating somebody or they're even married and they're like, you know, my partner doesn't like me working on the weekends or it's like, it's five o'clock. Why are you on your computer? You know? And it's just like, when you have an entrepreneur with you, they understand. It's like, there are weekends for us, quote unquote, but for the entrepreneurs that I know, unless they're at a competition or they're at a conference or they're speaking or they're attending something, they love the weekend because that actually gives them more time to work on the stuff that they need to get caught up on. Yeah. (laughs) And you have friends and family that are like, you know, why are you doing that? But then you also have people. So I got to take Rachel to uh, Portugal on the 4th of July, right? And that was for business, right? Mm -hmm. So being able to have business, go over there, get it paid for, have the the host say, hey, your wife with you. And we already have day trips planned and we're already going to put you up in all these places. You'd have some people like, oh, must be nice. But then those are the same other people that when they see you working, they're like, you should slow down and you need to take some time. And it's like, it, it's never really a balance. It's more about a blend and uh, it's, it's a marathon and it's a sprint. It's a mm-hmm. marathon, a sprint. You're constantly just going through the, the next launch or the next push or the next launch of the, the peril, the product, whatever it is. Yep. But this is what builds that kind of relationship, in my opinion. And you and Robert, when you face adversity, you let it make you stronger. You let it bind you. Mm-hmm. You don't let it pull you apart. You don't let it rip us apart. And that's the beauty of it. It's like you can get stronger each time. You have better communication each time. And you can 
talk about expectations each time and that makes you better. Yep. That's pretty amazing. Like we've had just randomly uh, a lot of people separating from their spouses lately and just in people in our life. And we just keep having to like remind each other, like, this is not like, that's not the way we want to go. And, you know, everyone's life's different for whatever. So a reminder to us of like the fact that we do lean on each other so much that we work well as a team that, you know, in hard times, we don't just give up on each other or say, well, screw you for now. It's like that really does connect us more. It makes us just like, okay, let's just get through this. Once we get through this, then we'll have like a couple of months just like be or connect or go on dates or whatever it is that, you know, we're doing. Even like right now, Robert's doing his competition prep and it's like, we are traveling every other week to go to these competitions. It's a lot, especially with a almost 16 month old. <laughs> but it's like, okay, like this is a season. This is a season that we are, we're going to get through. Let's have fun while we do it. And then we can enjoy all of the other things when it's done, you know? Um, but I feel like a lot of people let those hard times kind of get to them, get to their relationship or they kind of nitpick at each other rather than relying and, and yes. uh, pushing each other in the right ways, you know? And that's what we have to remember. If When we understand that this is temporary and that nothing lasts forever, whether it be good or bad, it gives us the wherewithal to push through when it is difficult. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully it forces us to be more present during the good times, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. They say you don't know what you got till it's gone, but that's not true. We know what we have. We just assume we'll always have it. Mm-hmm. And as soon as it goes away, it's like, why did I not appreciate that more? Yeah. Totally. Powerful. I love your response. My wife put up on uh, her Facebook wall. Says being an entrepreneur is tough. Being an entrepreneur that's trying to take a week off of work is even tougher. And you were like... I feel this at the bottom of my soul, girl. <laughs> <laughs> like, yep. Oh, it is so true though. Like, oh man. Like you're just like trying to make up for everything and trying to get ahead and trying to, you know, it's like there's no, there's no rest. You just keep going. And you really have to learn to enjoy the process or you're gonna hate it, you know? And Robert is really like the super entrepreneurial side. Um, I kind of married into that and then it became my life and I learned to love it. And I've always been um, more of a helper, like with any job I've had, with anything that I do, I find myself not being the main leader, but the assistant, the person who's able to help get the job done, if that makes sense. Um, Mm -hmm. I like that role in myself. I've tried to be the leader and then I'm like, I hate this. <laughs> I like to be the assistant, the person that can take some of the load and say, okay, I'm going to take and run. And that's why I think why Robert and I work so well. We're we're not competing for you know anything. It's like, he's, he is like a, he's got like this crazy brain. Like he's just a mastermind, you know, like he's just, he's, he knows the nitty gritty, how to make things happen. And I can do a lot of the other things that help run the business and pay the bills and work with the employees and like all the other things that they all work together. It's just cool because we each have our own roles. And I just, I really appreciate the balance that we we have and tensegrity, you know, that like, it's not, it really is not a balance. It's more of like, it's a, 
tension, tension, but it's holding it together. You know, I just think I I really like that. Really appreciate that about what we have going on here. And I think that's a lot of what it takes, you know? It is. And I I think that people have to realize because you're talking about process, it is hard. It's always going to be hard. But once you understand that it's not going to get easier and this is just the way it is, mm-hmm. because what do people do? They they say, I'm going to, you know, I only have, I can only do this for one more day. And then they limit themselves and then the day is over. And then it's like, oh, I have to do this tomorrow. But as entrepreneurs are like, I'm grateful that I have this much business. I'm grateful that I'm have to front load like crazy just to get a week off to go do business in Portugal, like all these things. Right. But at the same time, it doesn't change that we still have that responsibility. So once you understand that it doesn't get easier, ironically, it gets easier because now we understand, okay, I have to level up. Mm-hmm. I have to get better. I have to be more efficient. Like all these people that fetishize morning routines or like, you know, productivity and time management, it's easier for them to do that because there's not really that much repercussion, whether it is enforced or not. But for entrepreneurs, for leaders, man, we have to like, we have to get up. We have to be efficient with our morning. We have to make sure that every moment counts. We have to make sure even this conversation that we're having, the first thing I asked you was, you know, how much time do you have so that I can be respectful of that? Because what you're providing there and then what you're providing in this conversation is tremendous and it's very valuable to everyone. So I don't want to be that person that says that you have to romanticize the grind, but you still have to be realistic about it for the long term. And there's all mm-hmm. the, you know, early, early 20 year olds, you know, hash, team hashtag no sleep and grind, grind, grind. Man, if you are working 18 hours a day, like if that's your, your every day, then you're doing something wrong. Like you're not efficient or you're not, you're not building a team or you don't carry processes or you're not farming something out. Because if you are doing everything, it's impossible to, to prioritize what is truly a priority. Right. And again, you, Rigel, Robert, like that's kind of where it, it comes together for you. I think it's beautiful that having and so Rigel's 16 months and he's amazing. And you've yeah. had him on a keto diet, you know, since well, breastfeeding when you were on keto yeah. as, as keto, right? So I love that you guys have him pretty much attached to your hip or his hip, pretty much no matter where you go, because now you're getting him exposed to being around people, this is the norm. You're getting them exposed to all kinds of different environments, which makes his immune system stronger. And then you've got him on this incredible diet. So he is, when we came down and did uh, oh, pictures at Robert's uh, family's place with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was just the smiliest baby. And it was just like, you <laughs> pick him up and grab him. He's just all smiling. He's happy. It's just, it's incredible. Yeah, he's pretty awesome. Like he's definitely thrown some excitement and some challenges and some, you know, a little bit of everything in it, but I like, I wouldn't have it any other way. Like when, when I was little to the moment I had him, it was just like, I cannot wait to be a mom. I cannot wait to be a mom. Like, and like Robert knew like that was my thing. Like I cannot wait to be a mom, like obviously a wife and all the other things. Um, but that was just so big on my heart that something I wanted to be. And, uh, so it's just, it's been a really cool transition in life and learning, you know, how to be my own individual while also being a mom and not letting that overtake who I am. Because even though I want to be, I wanted to be a mom forever, I don't want that to be the only thing that I am. 
I just think he's just been so, he's so amazing. And he, he honestly teaches me so many lessons because you just have to learn to be more patient. You have to learn, you know, why is he reacting the way that he is? Why, you know, because he can't explain it. (laughs) So you're just constantly learning how to take care of someone who can't communicate and, or communicate the same way you do, I guess. They do communicate just differently. It's just, yeah, it's been so cool. And it's been so cool to watch Robert be a dad, like the coolest, you know? He's just such an intense person with everything that he does that like his love for Rigel is intense. You know, it's just like such a dad love, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like he just, I love it. So awesome. And that's the other thing is like, in the martial arts, they say one teach, but two learn. So you teaching Rigel, you're learning just as much as he is. You're learning about, okay, he, he can't say all these things, but you can definitely read his body language. You can definitely read what he's doing. And again, when we go, when we went out to eat, it was like, you just bring him with and we're good, you know, and mm-hmm. it's incredible. And then it also, as a testament to you, in my opinion, you're a tremendous role model for this multifaceted, like entrepreneur mother, like you're showing that you can have it all if you prioritize it. What I find is people have a bunch of things that they claim are priorities, but then their actions don't confirm that. And so Uh when those things are in conflict, now there's all this negative tension, like anxiety and, oh, I feel like I'm compromising or resentment or things like that. But the reality is if you, because if everything's a priority, then nothing's a priority, but you've truly prioritized just like three or four things and that's what the priority is and then it's amazing what happens when you make that like your go-to because then Mm -hmm. whatever time you do have left of course like if you give an entrepreneur and it says a schedule changes or a client has to move and you have an additional hour it's like that entrepreneur's like oh my god i have an hour i have an extra hour (laughs) like this is it's like feeling feels like you're cheating on the world because now you're like wow i could attack this thing or i can get in front of this thing or i can actually go go get this thing done that I haven't had the luxury of time to do that. We can't just Mm -hmm. give to somebody else to get done like, like paperwork or certain other things. It's like, I can farm a lot of stuff out to people, but there's certain things. If you go to the bank or taxes or anything, it's like, no, you got to do this. It's like, uh, it's going to be just Mm -hmm. a time suck, but doing it the way that you guys are doing it. And again, Robert understands what you're doing. You understand what he's doing. You guys understand what you're doing together. the, The hardships that will be there. And then you you can amp each other up, you know. Before before I go on stage, the, my when I go on right before I walk on stage, my wife always kisses me and says, "Crush it!" Like, come on, man! Like that's your biggest fan. That's who you want out there supporting you. Yep, absolutely, totally. So it's it's powerful. So you had Rigel, and the anticipation was to have it at home. Mm-hmm. Yep. But so we, was, we had planned a home birth. Yeah, there's some adversity there. I um, I had it really big on my heart. I mean, I had studied home birth for years, um, because that was something I really wanted to do. Uh, We in the state of Arkansas where we live, we do not have birthing centers. Uh, That was actually originally what I had looked into. There weren't any birthing centers, so I was like, I'm gonna do home birth. My sister-in-law had had four of them. I read all the books, did all the things. had a midwife. She was amazing. I got past my due date. Then I got to 42 weeks. And at a certain point, they don't, the 
your midwife can get their license like taken away if you have a home birth and they attend after 42 weeks. So she said, we, you know, you need to go in and, and be take, you know, taking a look at, make sure everything's good and all this. And, um, so I went in and they were like, you, you need to go to the hospital and be induced. Like you, I had zero signs of going into labor at any point. <laughs> and I just, I mean, I, I sat there and I was like, no, like, that's not my plan. I'm not doing that. Uh, so I went to my midwife's house and, uh, we talked to her and she's like, at this point, like, you don't really have an option. And she actually could have pushed it back one week. You can file paperwork to push it back one more week. But she just had it in her heart that like, that was not the best choice for me. So we went into the hospital and I had to respect that. Um, Heartbreaking. I cried. but we went to the hospital and and honestly, the entire time, like I cried and then I got it together and I was like, this is what was meant to happen. Like we were supposed to go to the hospital. There's a reason that we're supposed to go and and let's just do this. So we went home, packed our bags, went to the hospital. It was just so weird. I showed up and was like, I'm here to have a baby. <laughs> and they're like, are you in labor? It's like, nope, I'm just 42 weeks. And they told me to come in. Um so I went in and we wanted to take root things really slowly. It was just not. It was every every intervention was heartbreaking to me. But also I just kept saying like, I'm going to have a baby at the end of this. Like we walked into the hospital knowing we are going to leave with a baby, you know? So that was kind of the thing to look forward to. Um, we were there. I labored for... I can't remember how long it was, 18 hours or something in total. Um, yeah, I was only got to five centimeters. Uh, it was rough. <laughs> um, my water did break and then they were checking me and it broke even more. And as they were checking me one time, they were like, uh-oh, we feel his eyebrow. And then someone else checked me and they're like, we feel his eyebrow and his eye. Oh no, I feel his nose. And you're only supposed to feel the top of the head, not their face. Um, so his face was what was coming out first. And it was actually preventing him from being able to descend. And that's why I wasn't having feelings of going into labor or anything like that because he was not in the correct position. So um, it's called face presentation. And he was posterior. If it's anterior, mm-hmm. you can give birth vaginally. Um, if not, you have to have a C-section. So he was posterior. So we headed into a C-section. And in that moment, like Robert and I just looked at each other because it was like, I will do anything to not have a (laughs) C-section. And uh, we just looked at each other and we're like, this is it. And I think Robert was, Robert was probably more broken up about it than I was because he was anxious. He's like, my wife is going to go in and have a surgery. You never know what the outcomes of a surgery are going to be. Uh, I don't know if my baby's going to be okay. You know, all these things. Um, and so everyone left the room and just like, let us have a minute. And we were just like, we've got this. Like, we're going to do this. It's going to be fine. Everything's going to go smoothly. We're going to make it out at the end. You know, it was just like, we were confirming with each other. Like, this is why we were here. You know, if we would have tried to do this at home, maybe that wouldn't have had this outcome. You know, maybe I would have tried to push him and it would have not worked because it literally can 
mm-hmm. mess up his spine, all the things. So like, this is why we're here. So ended up, we had a C-section. Everything was great. My recovery was wonderful. Nothing like what you hear about C-sections. It was fantastic. Um, Rigel was a perfect, beautiful, healthy baby boy. Everything was great. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of adversity in all of that. <laughs> it was just a lot of, a lot of everything I never wanted. And yet everything you'd ever wanted. Exactly. Yes. All at the same time. <laughs> all at the same time. Very much an analogy for life for the entrepreneurial journey. And yeah. that's what's, it, it's incredible what our expectations do. If an expectation is really high and then it's not met, it's devastating. Mm-hmm. But you you quickly pivoted. Like you went through all five stages. You went through the first one. No, denial, you know, anger, bargaining. Can we do something else? It's like, no, th- this is it. And then when you're at that place and it's like, when there's no other choice, the choice is simple. Even if it's not exactly what we want, it's still choice. And mm-hmm. it still led to the amazing woman that I see before me, the the family that you guys have, Rigel, obviously Robert, doting father. They're like twins. It's interesting. Yeah, I can yeah. see I can see one picture where you're holding him and it's like, that's Robert. And then another picture where you're changing the angle or the facial expression is like, that's Crystal. Like I can see yeah. it's truly the best of both of you and one little human. And so through that adversity, what did you learn? What was the the thing that was a big revelation for you? that you wouldn't have found any other way? Gosh, I think honestly, a lot of it happened after I had had him because I did a lot of thinking. Uh, Robert's parents got COVID the day I got, I, the day I had him. My parents couldn't come out for a couple of weeks. So we literally had no visitors for like the first two weeks. And so I just did a lot of sitting. And as entrepreneurs, uh, Robert was at work. <laughs> you know, he was working, he was doing the thing. And I was totally fine being in this little bundle with my baby, but I had a lot of time to think because he just slept a lot. And I went through a lot trying to navigate all of my thoughts and my feelings and my emotions and things like that. And honestly, it was just like, I feel like you go through hard things for a reason. You know, like we all adversity, whatever, it really does grow you as a person. And I had to keep telling myself that there was a reason that that's my story. And that's what I kept saying is like, this is my story. That's not what I wanted my story to be, but this is now my story. And I just had to accept it and say, there's a reason, there's a reason for it. And honestly, it took me a while to share because I just wasn't ready. I It was hard for me to accept it. And uh, then we finally did share it. And I had so many women reaching out to me and said, I never fully healed until I heard your story. I never fully could understand what was going on in my head until I heard your story. And it was just like, this is it. (laughs) This is part of my reason. Like, I hate that I had to go through it to be that person. (laughs) But I'm glad I got to be that person for some people. Um, Even like people in my family reached out and was like, I've never shared this with anyone, but you just shared your story. And like, I have to tell you this piece of my life and just hearing your story helped, you know, bring it out in me. And I just think that that's really cool. So I feel like 
during that time, I had to realize like, this is my story and there's a reason I have it. Like it's a, there's a reason it's my story, whether I chose to share it or not, there was, you know, something that was going to grow from it. And it, it really has. I've had several clients who have had C-sections and have had hard times getting over it. And how do I help them to move past this? And, you know, just different things. And then also, I think a huge healing process of, I did work out my entire pregnancy. I worked out postpartum, post-C-section. I ate clean the entire time. My healing process was swift. I just think a lot of my lifestyle had a lot to do with it. And so that was kind of an ending to it. Like I did all that, but it was like not bad. You know, I did it and it wasn't hard. Like I hear all these stories and it wasn't that bad. So I hope that that's an example to some people that the way that you choose to live your life, the way that you choose to do things day to day can have a huge impact on things that you don't even think are going to happen in your life. It's so true. And then you you had the courage to have that that radical acceptance of what was going on. Radical because... acceptance. I've heard that so much in the last week. That is so funny that you say that. Yes, yes. Radical acceptance. But it's the truth. I mean, because, okay, you can talk about Zen, Taoism, Stoicism. They all talk about control the controllables. But so many times we feed people that do the opposite where... All these things are out of their control, like the opinions of somebody else or the actions of somebody else that we're trying desperately to impress or change or motivate or inhibit in some capacity. That's not under our control at all, even if we can't influence them or lead them. But when we're focused so much on things that we can't control, what are we doing? Vicariously, we are giving up control of all the things that we truly can, which is, it's only three things, thoughts, actions, and beliefs. Mm-hmm. Everything else, let it go. So when you have this big laundry list of stuff that you can't control and you can control three, quadruple down on the stuff you can control. And that's what you did. And it's it's difficult. But what happens? We accept it. And then we sit with the discomfort. We sit mm-hmm. with the adversity. We just sit with it. We don't think how it should be. We don't talk about what we want it to be. We just see it for what it is. And once we have that radical accountability, that radical acceptance of what's really going on, now we can begin to take action any direction we want. But until we take that step, there's a book where they talk about this idea. It's called Already Free. And they say that when we push away the things that we don't like, we circumvent it. But it's like adversity. If I push against adversity and I walk around it and I push it again, I eventually start to just my entire existence revolves around that one thing that I would not accept. Mm -hmm. That one thing that I would not acknowledge, that I would not walk through. And when I walk around it, every lap makes that thing stronger. The story in my head about how big and bad and how impossible this thing is. And then when we finally step through it, we go, wow, I made that out to be much more than it was. Yeah, totally. I also feel after I've, after I had him, I feel like everything in life became, I don't want to say less important, um, drama became less important. People having issues with the things I do in my life, less important. You know, all of these things got smaller and smaller. And even Robert would kind of 
ponder on things. And I'm like, I honestly don't have the space to allow that in my mind. And it, and it was just like, at that point, it's just nothing was as important. And I don't know if it was that experience or literally bringing life into this world or what, but it was like, I don't have the space in my brain <laughs> or any of that anymore. And that's been a really cool thing for me because I can, I can really let things go now. And it's weird. I don't think I could do that before. It was like I would harbor things and just get frustrated or angry or whatever. And on the outside, I might be like cool, calm and collected. But on the inside, I felt hardened. And after after I had had him, it was like, I just don't have the space anymore. You know, I'm just, I'm not mad. I'm not angry. I'm not anything. I just, I'm not going to let that in, you know? And so I think that's a really cool thing too that, that I've experienced in the last, you know, 16 months or so. It's been really neat. Yeah, it, it helps you understand, like you said, how much bandwidth we're allowing to be taken up by superfluous things that honestly, at the end of the day, mean nothing. Yeah. And you, you have a huge social media presence. So you see how much of this is a game or illusion or vanity metrics or the algorithm that's adapted and changed and all this stuff that in the end doesn't really matter. In the end, what matters is this conversation, your interaction with Rigel, your relationship with Robert, your relationship with your team and the people that you work with your clients and and all the great people that support you. That's what matters. At the end of the day, everything else falls away. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, those opinions don't pay our bills or reduce our our self-esteem if we unless we allow them to. Yeah. And like you said, that adversity scale, like for you, once you go through hardship, you come back and you go, am I really complaining about the Wi-Fi being slow right now? Really? Like, that's what I'm pissed off about. That's what I'm (laughs) allowing to influence my behavior. It makes you feel, you're like, man, I feel like a child, like a a junior high person Mm -hmm. that's complaining or, you know, talking smack about somebody else. But yet it's amazing how that forces that detachment and you go, does that really matter? No, no, it doesn't. And if it doesn't. Yeah. And why am I giving it so much damn space in my head? Yes, exactly. So for people that are going through some sort of hardship, some sort of adversity like that, because I find people that go through adversity and then they do what you did. They they finally process it and they learn. And then they allow that to be the catalyst for a better, stronger, more intelligent, wiser, kinder person. And then I see other people that get stuck there. Like something happens to them at 25 and they live that entire existence over and over until they're 75 and they've wasted 50 years of their life. So what would you tell somebody that's going through hardship now? Maybe that feels like they're stuck. Maybe they can't get past this thing. What would you tell them? I'd probably just tell them to dive deep into it. Like put your energy towards it. Because I feel like a lot of times people use it as an excuse to not do this or that. As an excuse to not to say oh, well, I can't do this because X, Y, or Z. And I would would use it as a reason to overcome it, not to prevent you from doing things in your life. Um, I do have a couple of people that are very similar to what you had just explained. Like they, that thing happened to them and they got stuck there 20 years. You know, it's like, you have to get uncomfortable with those feelings. You got to get in there and sit with them. And in, if you need to hire a counselor, hire you know someone who 
can help you work through those things. I also have another friend who has worked with several different therapies. They're different kinds. There's not just talk therapy. There's a whole bunch of different kinds of therapy that you can do that can be beneficial and helpful for different traumas or different experiences or whatever. I think that getting comfortable with the discomfort, I should say, get in there, figure it out so that you can maybe help someone in the future or whatever. You hear a lot of these breakthrough stories that can be you. But I think just getting comfortable with the discomfort of whatever the situation is. And obviously, I haven't gone through many of the situations that are out there. But I think that a lot of times if we we face them head on, even if it takes years to get through it, it's worth it because you're not going to be like that for the next six years. You might be like that for the next five. You might be working through it for the next five, but it's not going to be 60, 20, 40, however long, but just kind of attacking it head on. And that's that's pretty much what I did because I could see like there's a way that I could get really deep with this or this situation or whatever. And it honestly, um, for me, brought up a lot of stuff from my childhood, which is so weird and not what I had anticipated at all, but it did. It brought up a whole bunch of stuff. and. I just worked through it. And it was like, oh, this is weird and uncomfortable uh, because I thought I was over that, you know, but something I had to work through and I'm such a better person for it. So I don't know, just being comfortable, getting uncomfortable. <laughs> and it's so true. Robert Frost says the, the best way out is through, but the only way out is through. So even these things you were talking about with your childhood, we think that we've kind of completed the cycle, but all of a sudden something else happens and then it, it all gets unpacked. So if you have the courage to examine the wound while it's open and look at what's in there and either look at, you know, what caused it or am I causing it? Am I not allowing this thing to heal? Do I keep messing with it? Because our greatest strength is usually found right next to that greatest adversity. But man, it's so hard to do it in the middle. Like when you're really in it, when we're away from it, we can build philosophical and we can talk about other people and Oh, you know, they we're detached. It's not us. But when it's us, we want to be the exception. Mm-hmm. And that's why we do the training now, because I have to be have the skill set now long before I need it, because the the lesson is coming, whether we're hundred percent prepared for it or not. And what you're describing to me is sort of a victim mentality that a lot of people get into. And I was absolutely in that place when I was injured. But if we paint ourselves into a corner spiritually and emotionally and intellectually. And now we make that victim the mentality. This is who I am. Mm -hmm. Now what happens? Now we cannot wait to be victimized by something else. We cannot wait to be offended by something else. And now our skin gets thin. And now we have no resilience. And now we seek out other people that are continuing to corroborate that sort of, like you said, that whiny things that are not of substance, dare I say. Yeah, And then all of a sudden, if we decide that we try to get out of that, those group of people that we surround ourselves with, they're going to pull us right back. And so what you're describing is this idea of stop being a victim. And instead of allowing that hardship to be the thing that stops you, let it be that trigger that makes you go above and beyond. Make it be that catalyst that forces you to say, you know what, this is what I've been through. And this is what I can do. And this is what you can do as well. Will it be easy? No. Well, could it be the hardest thing you've ever faced in your life? Absolutely. May it be life and death in some ways? Sure. But I have found that adversity will keep coming at you until mm-hmm. it gets your attention and it will make you drop everything else and say, 
You listening? Because if you're not, I'm going to come back when I do. It's going to have even more compounding interest. Yeah. And sometimes if we don't do the work now, it will take things from us that we can't get back. So get in front of it now. Listen to what she's saying. Yeah. I think even when you work through things, you don't just work through it, but you also rise. You find ways that you don't allow things to get to you as much. And you almost kind of plan ahead for, okay, well, this could happen. How do I avoid that? Or how am I going to prepare for myself for this or whatever? Um, and I like that. You feel like a stronger person when you get through it. Yeah. And, and preparation is what builds confidence, right? You and I are in Robert and Rigel and my wife are driving cross country. And I asked Robert, do we have a spare? He's like, shit, I forgot it. What am I going to worry about the entire time we're driving? <laughs> <Why>? <laughs> right? Because I'm not prepared for it. Yeah. Like you said, and here's the thing, we're not being doomsday. We're not saying, you know, everything is horrible, but we do have to say, listen, I would feel more confident if I had a contingency, if I had a mm -hmm. drop down option from here, if all else failed, do I want to do that? No, but there's a lot of things in life that happen that we don't want. And we want them even less when we don't have options. Yep. So yep. set yourself up to win as best you can. And then listen to Crystal's story. This is the hero's journey. This is what we have to do. You, she goes, what is it? There was the calling, being wanting to be a mom. The actual test, being a mom. How did it not go the way you wanted to? Now you have to rise. Now you have to ask yourself what's really important. And you did the right thing clearly because I'm talking to an incredible person across from me now. And I've seen the incredible testament to what you and Robert put together into this world. Well, thanks. It's the truth. I know we've gotten deep here and I... I appreciate that. I, I would like to shift gears if we can. So I heard a story that there was this idea about keto brick and there were people that were trying to get into it, but yet you guys made a different decision. So can you tell us a little bit about that, what that was and the people that were telling you, why did you not go with that option and why you decided to do what you're doing now? And obviously I think you all made the right choice. Oh no, I guess I don't know what we're talking about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait. There were people uh, wanting to maybe potentially invest or like almost like this uh, Shark Tank kind of scenario. Okay. Yes. So there's been several situations, which I was like, which one is you? Well, which one are we talking about here? <laughs> right. And whatever one you want to talk about, I don't want it to be something that... So we made the brick out of Robert's own necessity for bodybuilding. And so it was kind of like a near and dear thing to us. We just talked about it on YouTube and people were like, what's that thing? So we slowly started, you know, coming out with the bricks to our friends, having them try them. They're like, these are amazing. You guys need to do something with it. So we launched it. Um, and they really just like hit the ground running. We literally started it from like our grocery money. Like <laughs> we didn't have a whole bunch of extra funds or anything like that. So we were just like, let's do what we can with what we have. Um, so just little by little, we kept building it up. Along the way, we did have different people reaching out saying, you should be on Shark Tank. Or we actually had the Shark Tank people reach out and say, would you guys like to be on? And we had different people offer to invest and things like that. And we, you know, thought on it for like five seconds. And then it was like, definitely not. You know, we definitely don't want to go that route. Um, and it was because we wanted to grow things organically. We wanted to grow things naturally. We wanted to 
we had done it from that point. We had we had done it from our grocery money and we had made it that far. And we were just wanting to continue to grow that way. We didn't want to owe someone. We didn't want to bend or break or add things to our products that uh, fillers and sweeteners and all the things. And if we went with like a co-packer, they would have to add things. And, you know, we just didn't want to have to take the say so from someone else on what to do with the product. Uh, We wanted it to be as clean and wholesome and healthy as possible. So we kept it in house. We did the opposite of what everyone suggested that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, we've grown slower because of it. Um, we, it still does amazing. We, I, we cannot believe how much we've grown in the last five years. Uh, mm-hmm. We started in a little tiny commercial kitchen. Then we moved to a, a kitchen that we were renting. We originally started with one building. And then we got the second one. Then we got the third one. And it was just like we kept growing them, but we kept renting. And then in 2020, during all the chaos of COVID, (laughs) we bought a building Um, and we got an old, it was an old grocery store and we renovated it. We took down all the walls, took down everything and rebuilt. And so we just, it's our baby. You know, it's like, there's no way I want to give it to someone else. There's no way I want to send it to a co-packer or anything like that. We have an amazing group of employees with us. Um, we wouldn't have those relationships if we didn't keep it in-house. And um, we have direct communication with our customer base because they're buying it directly from us or from someone that we wholesale with and trust. We would not do it any other way. Um, we're so grateful that we did it this way. It's harder. We had to work harder. We had to delegate more. We had to learn a lot in the process, but it's been worth it. It's been worth it to keep our product the way that we intended it to be from the beginning. And that's what I wanted to to point out. Robert and I have spoken about this oftentimes. He and I look at what the crowd's doing and we usually try to go the other direction just on principle mm-hmm. most of the time. And there's all kinds of marketers and you know consultants and people that will they'll tell you, you know, hey, you need to do it this way. You need to do that. If I were to listen to them right after my TEDx talk and my book came out, there would be a podcast called The Gift of Adversity. And it would just be people that have gone through, you know, hardship. And it's like, that's only one facet of what life is, in my opinion. So if you just be mired down on that singular dimensional thing and not look at everything else that it allows us to have and the the, the beauty that it makes us see in life like that to me is not what i wanted to do and then you know create a course and create a group and then you know go out blah 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 it's like that doesn't feel real it feels fake it feels plastic it feels glossy it feels Mm -hmm. like this is what you want me to do because you're going to make money off of me doing it yeah and so there's a lot of entrepreneurs that want to come up with a product or service or something like that and blow it up in the first two years and then get pe get private equity and then have somebody invest and then you know step out it 10x or 20x what they did, but they don't understand that if you're trying to get your EBITDA in a certain place to look attractive to investing, those people are not looking at your business the way you do. They don't see it as your baby. They see it as this thing that they want to be able to exit in two to five years at 20 or 30x of what they're doing. And they, this is business, right? So when you're building something that you turn into a business because it's so much a part of who you are. 
it is hard for us to to let those things go. But I see what you guys are doing. I see the impact you're making. I see what your message is and that you all are living that ethos every day. I'm so glad that you didn't compromise. I'm so glad you didn't take the, I mean, you guys would have, you know, made a lot of money in the short term, but then it, it would have, I think it would have potentially negatively impacted the decisions you made thereafter. Uh, I think your audience would have sniffed it out. And I think that there was something that Robert's always said. He says that uh, your customers are your oxygen. Mm -hmm. And I love that because that's how you all do it. And that's why you all have built what you built up. Again, you're reaching out to them directly. Your YouTube is huge. All the social media is incredible. But yet that's what it took to get to that place. And you guys who, again, you've been doing the work daily for, for five years straight. So everyone that sees what she's talking about and sees the products and the services and, and everything that they're doing, first of all, know that it can be done because they started, like she was saying, in their kitchen with like, you know, grocery money. But at yeah. the same time, also know that it takes a long time. It takes five years. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about being efficient and we talk about being an entrepreneur and we talk about really prioritizing the priorities those things are fine. If you want to use the 80-20 principle or have a morning routine, that's great. But but realize that Crystal and Robert have been doing that, but they've been doing it for five years. Mm -hmm. So they get crazy momentum. They get crazy synergy. They get crazy compounding interest that gives them even more momentum when they get stuck in the mud or when things slow down. So when you keep that in mind, it helps you realize that it's it takes time but it takes a lot more time if you're not doing it for the right reasons and you're not doing those right reasons efficiently in the process. Amen to that one. It's it's pretty crazy. You know, we've had like different copycats or whatever, you know, people doing whatever they want to do. And I I always just have to remember if we were not as passionate about our product, about what we're doing, about the the stories that come back to us because of our product or because of our coaching or because of whatever, we would not have made it. We would not have made it through if that was not our passion, if that was not something that we loved and poured everything into. And I just think if they're not passionate, they're not going to make it. You know, if you didn't create this thing and you're just using someone else's information, you might make a book, but you're not going to be happy doing it. You know, you're not going to be super fulfilled and things like that. Like finances, great we, money. We all need it to live. You know, we, we, it, what is helps make the world go around apparently these days. <laughs> um, but it's the passion, it's the drive, it's the, the enjoyment, it's the love of doing what you do. And it really is what makes a difference. When we get an email from someone who's sharing their story with us, we'll share it with our employees. Like, obviously, if it's a shareable story, um, we'll share it with our employees and just say, this is why we do what we do. Because it can get monotonous for them working in the kitchen, making the bricks and packaging the orders, you know, every single day. It can get monotonous. So those stories, those people that we are impacting the lives of through whatever means that we're putting out, it makes a difference to us. Like it, it, touches our hearts and makes us want to work that much harder. I think that that's, that's really huge in choosing how you want to live your life. 
You know, we we literally chose the thing that we were passionate about and that has changed our lives the most and then dove into it and said, this is what we're going to do. And I love it. <laughs> and it's a, again, it's a testament and reminder to anybody that you see, that you admire, that you're influenced by, that you respect, that you buy products from or because of, they have the, a very similar story. Um, when I was at Tom Bilyeu's house, it's like he's talking about he was a multimillionaire and this other thing that he was doing. And he's looking out this huge like window outside and he's miserable. He's like, and it was like every cliche he could think of coming to fruition at one time. And he was like, I've done everything I've worked, I've sacrificed and I'm got this status and I'm hate my life. And I feel like I'm lying to myself and I feel like I'm lying to everybody else. And he finally went from this tech thing to, I want to end metabolic disease because his mother had metabolic disease. He's like, we're going to create a bar, you know, the, the whole idea of Quest Nutrition. And at the time, like it was revolutionary by comparison, the same sort of story of working in a kitchen, getting a commercial kitchen at night because it was cheaper. And that's when they had the availability, just like what you guys were doing. But it took that, that belief because if you don't believe in it deeply, it's not scalable and it's not sustainable. It's if you don't have something built of who you are and the person that you show up as on whatever platform we're on, if we don't do it authentically, we haven't created a brand. We've created a character that we portray and it's not real. And in today's day and age, people want that more than ever, especially after 2020. People want, they want something that has substance that they can reach out to and they can, and even now as we speak, you can feel it come through the screen or through the the speaker. Like that's what they want. Mm. With AI and with technology now, like information's everywhere. Yeah. Substance is not. Yeah, so true. So if you have substance, if you apply the wisdom and if you do it every day, that's when you can start making things happen. But doing it once, good job. Just keep doing it now for the next, you know, thousand days. And now let's see where you're at. But that's yeah. how we get there. We, just like with you guys, we, we lay that brick perfectly just one time and then we lay the next brick and all of a sudden you have the wall and I've been to your, your compound there and it's incredible walking through and seeing all the square footage and having the private gym that you all have for yourselves to work on and for your, you know, employees to work at and you've got the kitchen and you've got the apparel, the apparel's doing incredible too, right? Tell us about uh, Live Savage Apparel. Yeah. So we have an apparel line called Live Savage Apparel. We love it. We have not been able to dive as deeply into it as we want to, but that is the plan for 2024 is we don't have anything huge happening next year. So it's like, we're going to just dive deeper into what we have going and make everything that we're doing that much greater. Um, So we're planning on uh, doing some more launches and things like that on the apparel. Right now we have some of our kind of like sayings. We have have like the Savage Creed and things like that that are really fun on t-shirts and things. But we'd love to get more like athletic wear as well. We did have previously athletic wear, but we decided to go 100% US made. um, And we haven't found exactly how to right. get what we want because it's harder and it's more expensive, but it's worth it. <laughs> that, um, I've told you, that's what I'm doing too. It's like yeah. trying to find the people that can source it, make sure it's there. Hey, we have the the quantity you order. Oh, uh, we're, it's going to take a minute. Now it's like, 
okay, if this isn't sustainable or I can't get this thing in a scalable manner, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm just doing the same thing. It has to be U.S. sourced, U.S. made, U.S. Yep. constructed and made here. And for those of mm-hmm. you that don't know, there's things that are manufactured in the United States mm-hmm. that means they are sourced from sweatshops outside of them, and then they are technically put together in the U.S. So that's not the same thing. So when it says right. made in the USA, it's sourced here in the United States. It's sourced by Americans, for Americans. And for those of you that are like, I don't care about sweatshops, it's like, well, do you care about human trafficking? Right. Because where do you think that sweat's coming from? Who do you think they're using? Yep. What do you think that person's going through so that you can get a $20 shirt instead of a $24 shirt? Yeah. Like it's, and again, that's sort of the ethos, right? If we have to live by that, I can't sleep mm-hmm. at night knowing, hey, I made some more money, but I'm literally endangering somebody else's life or encouraging the behavior. That's yeah. Not me. We're trying to better people's lives and you're making some people's lives better while you're making other people's lives worse, you know? So really just trying to find exactly who's making these things, who's creating, you know, all of that kind of stuff. We also are doing our own screen printing, which is cool. So we'll get all of the actual material and then we're screen printing here on site, which is really fun. Uh, We've actually done some of the screen printing for different conferences. So we'll go to the conferences and actually do the screen printing while people are able to watch it. So that's been a really cool experience, like uh, people being able to see their shirt being made, which is really cool. So we are making moves with it, but hopefully a little bit more in the next, in the coming year and a few more launches, more fitness apparel. Robert would love to do like a hunting line and all the different kinds of things, just the things that we're super passionate about, um, making sure that there's gear that's available for that. Like I would even love to like have breastfeeding stuff like that. Those things are awesome, you know, but make something where it's like doable for me and my lifestyle and homesteading and working out and all the things that just works, you know? So we're excited to expand everything a little bit here in the next year or so. And that's the beauty of of living this sort of lifestyle right? We, as we go through and we learn and we develop and we have lessons, we'll either serve our audience even more in a way that's truly of substance and value to them, or we reach other people. It's, it's incredible. We never know how far reaching anything can be, whether it be, you know, a keto brick or Robert's book or this conversation or your coaching with Lady Savage or any of these things. But yet when we do it often enough, eventually they will dovetail in a way that creates that that big critical mass. And here's the beauty of it. You you work so hard and you summit that mountain and you take some time and you enjoy the view. But as entrepreneurs, we we start to see other mountains from that peak. And then we go, I want to go explore that. And so again, we have to love the process. We have mm-hmm. to understand that this is part of it. We have to not think that there has to be an end to the destination because that's what allows us to continue to move forward and frankly, like you said, as we go along, as we are taking these steps, we get these messages or these emails or these people that see you and recognize you in public or, you know, leave a book review, whatever it is. And it's this thing that makes you go, oh, yeah, that is why I was doing it. And then mm-hmm. if we're lucky, we cross paths with other people that are on the, the path with us. And it just makes it that much more enjoyable along the way. Absolutely. Okay, Crystal, talk to you. 
a while and I want to be respectful of your time and I could talk to you forever. And we're going to have many more conversations, obviously, many in, in person over stakes. <laughs> can you tell us more about where can we go to get keto bricks? Where can we go to get not just keto bricks, but but Robert's book? Where can people reach out? You you do ketogenic lifestyle coaching as well. Mm -hmm. So tell us all the things, where can we learn those things? If somebody hears you and wants to work with you, what do we do? Okay. So if you guys are interested in the keto brick, it's literally anything that you type in is going to be keto brick. So on our website, ketobrick.com, keto brick on Instagram and on Facebook. Um, And then a lot of Robert's things are going to be on keto savage. So you can go to ketosavage.com, keto savage on Instagram or on Facebook. Um, and then we also have my my individual stuff, which is going to be the Lady Savage stuff. So it's going to be ladysavage.com, the.lady.savage on Instagram. And then we also have a Facebook that's Team Savage. Um, and then we also do, we actually do some homesteading stuff too. We bought some property um, and we have a few animals right now. We're diving into more again in 2024. <laughs> so um how we're growing our family, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and so that's all under Live Savage. So pretty much anything savage is what you're going to find. <laughs> <laughs> Live Savage, Keto Savage, the Lady Savage. That's that's who we are. Absolutely. Crystal, thank you so much for everything you're doing. Send my regards to the boys. And I look well, forward to talking to you soon. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Okta Nonverba. If this message resonates with you, please share it out with others on social media. Hit that subscribe button and leave a review for the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. To learn more, please go to MarcusAureliusAnderson.com and join his Octa Non Verba Inner Circle to get exclusive content, news, and information. Until next time, remember, talk is cheap. Live your life based on actions, not words.